Welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. Your host here, Jacob Dahlin. Uh, today, a friend of mine, uh, the man when it comes to strength and conditioning, uh, Chris Kerr from Liberty University. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the, the opportunity here. And uh, I'll just start out by saying, while I have been to Finland uh, and Europe more often than Sweden, uh, I'm going to take the middle ground, but I'll lean more towards Sweden uh, during this podcast year. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. Good, good, because because you guys went, you went with the with the men's and women's teams for the uh, off season, or was that the end of last year? Yeah, so we are incredibly fortunate at Liberty uh, as a Christian university to be able to do missions trips with our teams. And so in the college hockey world and college hockey schedule that we compete in, uh, we have that kind of break over Christmas break, right? When our students go home, we kind of put a pause to the season. And so that opens up these opportunities where uh, we kind of partnered with, excuse me, a, a church and a missionary group over in Finland and we've had the opportunity. So the men went four years ago, the women went uh, last year. Um, So they were uh, there in January, 2023. And now our men's team will be going again in January, 2024 for, you know, eight to 11, 12 days. Uh, And then kind of the missions work that we're doing there is just trying to build relationships within that hockey community and then pull local uh, Finnish people in the cities to uh, the, the churches there. And yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it was incredible. We loved it. But when we were going through our our cultural training, uh, it was pretty funny. Like we had uh, a couple PowerPoint slides and some meetings, and they literally were saying like, "Don't talk about Sweden. Like, don't talk about Sweden unless it's in the context of Finland beating Sweden." Uh, so I'm I'm well trained and well versed on. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna say the the rivalry there. Yeah, yeah, countries. yeah. Well, before we get into your background, because you did have a Swedish guy there a couple of years ago, Victor Bloomberg. Mm, absolutely. Um, and was he part of kind of the the? Did you talk to him before you went to went over? There? Oh, yeah. So that's a, another great story. So when we went over, um, it's it's a whirlwind, right? And it was our our first time as a team going over there, and so we went to a local Christian school. And they just wanted us to talk to the kids, right? Like, wow, here's this team from America, whatever. It's a hockey team. So really fun, inspirational. And whoa, 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 you go here, you go here. And our head coach, Kirk Candy, ended up in a room. And he's like looking around. He's like, who's who's, who's with me? Who's with me? And uh, it was Coach Handy. And then uh, Brett Gammer, currently still on our team, um, who joined the team in the spring semester. So left his junior hockey early to come join our team. So he didn't know anybody on the team. He was just there. And then Victor Blomberg, uh, who's from Sweden, right? And so they're standing in front of this classroom and the teacher's like, okay, go ahead. And uh, Victor like whispers over to Kirk, like, they don't like Swedish people. <laughs> and so Kirk was like, okay, I guess uh, Victor's not going to talk here. And then he turns to Brett and Brett is like, yeah, I got it. Um, so yeah, I, I unfortunately wasn't on that first men's trip. Um, but I, I can only imagine you heard some stories. Yeah. He tried to hide the accent a bit. Yeah. So let's, let's start with a little bit on, on, on you and what you do there. And then we can, we'll, what what I thought, here's what I want to talk about today. And the reason why I have you you on, we had Derek Simpson on that. We were Mm -hmm. talking from, from Blue Ridge, I forget Blue Ridge, 
Uh, what's Mount, the Mountain River Physical Mountain, Therapy? Yeah, Mountain yeah, River yeah. Physical Therapy in the weird in, one yeah. in Chatham, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had him on. We talked about the functional mobility screen, and mm-hmm. I know you and him worked together for several years. And and so I thought it'd be good to kind of go there and talk about how you awesome. screen players. Um, but I thought it, it, I think it'd be interesting for a lot of the people who are listening. You know, this is this is a junior hockey podcast really trying to educate and inform the people listening about Swedish junior hockey. But then of course it's gotten to be a lot of the people are Swedish. So they also want to talk about juniors over here. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the end destination for all the people that are, most of the people are listening is that I want to play in college. Yes. And so talking about Liberty being in the ACHA D1, right underneath the NCAA, if you want to call it hierarchy of that. But we, mm-hmm. we think it'd be good to kind of talk about the different levels of, of college hockey and where Liberty stands and and how does that compare to, you know, you guys' football program that is, mm-hmm. you know, one of the top uh, programs in NCAA. Depends on how you – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depends on the year and the ranking. Depends on the year and depends yeah. on who you ask. But, you know, it's definitely on – NCAA uh, uh, level there. So that was a long way of saying yeah. Chris Kerr. Who's Chris Kerr and how, why are you there at Liberty? Yeah, no, great, great question. Extremely happy to kind of explain a little bit more about Liberty, our hockey programs, and then the the league we compete in, the American College Hockey Association. So uh, Liberty University has a full-fledged NCAA Division One program. Uh, we compete in Conference USA. Our football team is independent. We play, we travel the country, all the big name uh, schools that your Swedish listeners would kind of be familiar with. And then we also on our campus have a uh, another kind of athletics program underneath that. Okay? And so the best way to kind of explain it to people is Liberty University has an NCAA Division I athletics program. And then they also have the equivalent of an NCAA Division III program. That's kind of just the easiest way to understand it. So um, we kind of use this term or label club sports. But when I go out and I talk to anybody else at different universities, they are always in shock of what we offer and what we have at Liberty. So I'll kind of give this sort of as a background we have tons of athletes who transfer in across all of our sports is all of our sports from other schools to Liberty to compete in our, uh, compete on our hockey teams. Many come from NCAA division three schools. Some come from division one schools. And when they're in our weight rooms at Liberty, for example, they'll say, Hey, uh, when do the students come in? And it's like, well, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like what, what do you mean when the students come in? Oh, well, in this weight room, like, is this the only one on campus? And it's like, no, 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 we have two facilities just for our hockey players. And we have two for our, our this and our that. And so we just have resources on resources. Uh, we're extremely blessed and extremely unique. So when you're touring our facilities, it would be very hard to find the distinction between your top level D3 and your kind of bottom-ish level D1 schools and ours. Um, So when we are talking about the ACHA, it's just like NCAA D3, just like NCAA D1, you're going to have your top tiers 
and then you're going to have kind of your middles and your bottoms, right? So when we think of NCAA Division One men's hockey, uh, we could think about um, the, you know, the University of Minnesota, University of Wisconsin, University of Michigan, and then uh, I won't, you know, Boston's and all that. I'm not going to list out and label out some of maybe the more bottom tier teams. It's yeah. the same thing across NCAA Division Three, and then for us, it's the same thing across ACHA. And then the ACHA also has Division One, Two, Three for men, Division One, Two for the women. So yeah. if I'm a Swedish listener hearing this, what I would try to start to wrap my mind around is there are so many more options here in the states for college hockey besides NCAA. And I would highly look at and highly consider different options within the ACHA because for Liberty, for example, we're a big school, right? We're a big school. We have a, a big football program, basketball program, uh, phenomenal academics. And we're going to have things and offerings that, you know, your small NCAA Division three school will not have, right? Um, just this year, we had a guy transfer in from uh, a team. Uh, uh, again, I won't, I won't try to trash any teams or anything like that. So transferred You're in too from nice. a Yeah, you know, well, it just is what it is, right? He transferred in from a Division three school. And just on our day where we kind of like hand out T-shirts and stuff like that, um, he was like, okay, on my D3 school, like they just gave us one T-shirt. And we gave, you know, several T-shirts and polos and long sleeves and gitches and, uh, you know, Under Armour to wear under their pads and multiple sweatshirts and jackets and hats and two pairs of shoes. And so it's, uh, there's a lot more out there in the college hockey landscape than just your classic, what you hear division one full ride scholarship or bust, um, which that's kind of what's ingrained in the young hockey players minds from, from the beginning. But there's a lot over here in the States and a lot of people are starting to see that and uh, just enjoy that. So if our best teams were to go and compete, uh, they would be competitive ish with um, the lower level D one schools. And then we would be right in the mix with NCAA D3. So we kind of are in the same recruiting pool. And then every now and then we'll get some of that top tier talent that will join the ACHA or uh, be at Liberty with us. So the, from, if I'm a Swedish person, though, I think that, mm -hmm. the, you know, one of the fortunate things that an unfortunate thing, there is no college sports in Sweden, which is mm -hmm. really, really unfortunate. Yes. But when you do go to college, they don't have to pay for college. So a big concern. Wonderful. Uh, well, you know, they don't have to pay for college. It's it's kind of, you know. They're, they're paying for it taxes. somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing, it's it's getting no, paid for. Yeah, yeah. So the free rides. But, but one of the challenges with players that are coming over here to play juniors are really, really good players that could play um, uh, D1, D3, or ACHA is is going to be how do you finance your your college. And, and yes. it's a big deal, and people need to be aware of – that even at D1, so what's the difference between NCAA D1, D3, and ACHA D, D1 in terms of uh, paying for tuition? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to say in terms of the most costly universities out there, yeah, this is just me, I, I haven't done my crazy research recently, but your smaller uh, Division three schools are oftentimes more expensive because yep. um, they're private most, schools. Yeah. Up, most up of the time the they're private. 
yeah, most of the time they're going to be private um, and they, they just need the student body to pay a lot of money to be able to keep the school running. And then your larger NCAA D1 schools are going to be some sort of state school. So like Penn State, right? So the government kind of helps prop up and build up some of those schools. Um, Michigan State, um, uh, University of Minnesota is a state, right? State school, um, things like that. So some of those big time school campuses, Ohio State, for example, has like 50,000 undergraduate students, right? It's just like a whole city of a college campus. And then your division threes are going to be smaller, a little bit more expensive. And then your ACHA schools, they could be those big schools as well. So for example, uh, the University of Syracuse, right? A big school that has kind of a name brand recognition. They have an ACHA program. Uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, which we play, they have uh, an ACHA program. Liberty University, we have an ACHA program. Penn State has an ACHA program uh, at, at a different level than uh, the ACHA D1. So there's plenty of options here in the States for finding college hockey and finding it at an affordable price. And don't get me wrong, there are still going to be some of those uh, smaller schools that have an ACHA program. But if you're looking to come over and get a great education and you're looking to uh, be able to play college hockey, it, it's really kind of, for me, sort of like a no brainer of let me look at, you know, my D one options. Okay. I get that. Right. Go live that dream that, you know, you could leave home to say you're going to play hockey in America, but uh, do your research of all the American college hockey association options out there. Cause oftentimes you're going to find a great school with a great degree program um, and a, a great hockey team, yeah. which is, you know, win, win. So at the end of the day, uh, even if you do make it to the NHL, it's not forever. Right. So there's always life after hockey. And uh, the right college experience could really set you up well for that life. And I think that there's a common fallacy that that you know a just because you you get in and you're recruited by a D1 program doesn't mean that you're going to get a full ride and and on a D D1 program. No, no not at all. And so uh, schools only have so many scholarships that they can offer. Um, so I'll give an example of uh, a friend who's an NCAA. Division one beach volleyball coach. And so yeah. you'd think, okay, NCAA, you're going to get, you know, a bunch of scholarship. Uh, every single athlete will, will know he gets eight scholarships. And often what he'll do is he'll split them. So he'll give, you know, four half rides, four three quarter rides, four one quarter rides, and then four full rides. And so, yeah, just because you're, you're going to that school, it does not guarantee that you know, you're going to get everything paid for. It just uh, doesn't always work that way. And I mean, I grew up thinking that as well Yeah. until you get into the college hockey world and you're like, oh, okay, this is a little different. And to that point too, uh, if you're not full ride scholarship at, at these schools, you still have to be at every workout, every practice, you're traveling all the time and the schedules are, they're just a little rough. Whereas uh, for us in ACHA, even though we have just the same thing, four practices a week, two workouts a week, um, traveling games every weekend, uh, we don't own you. And so yeah. if you do need to have a job, like we allow that, um, whether it's uh, if you're in the States, you can get a work study position. If you're from out of the country, uh, we have international work study positions, even just like around the ice rink. 
And so when you look at, a, again, a college campus, the larger the school, there's going to be more options there. And Liberty being a rather large uh, ACHA school, uh, we, we do have a lot of great offerings for student athletes. And I'm sure that would go across many of our top teams in the ACHA. Yeah, and I think that for 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 those who are listening, European listeners, you know, it it does cost money to 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 go to college, and even though Sweden it may be free, you you're still gonna have to pay for room and board, and mm-hmm. so I think yeah. do some research and 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 go over there. But let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, you're not a hockey player per se. No, I've yeah. never <laughs> seen you. So so a little bit of background, Chris and yeah. I we've known each other for the last. I don't know, five years or so where mm-hmm. my son has been coming up to Liberty in Lynchburg, Virginia for many years coming up yeah. there for, for camps and, uh, and so on. So, but I've never seen you on skates. Yeah, I, uh, I can skate not very well. I'm not going <laughs> to say any, say I'm uh, great by any chance, but yeah, I, my background was I, I played football, basketball, lacrosse growing up, never watched hockey, never played it, anything like that. And then when I came to Liberty, exercise science student, loved to work out. I was at a gym off campus and made a, a friendship with with a guy who turned out to be a hockey coach at Liberty. Uh, turned out to be uh, the the top point scorer in the school history. And he basically just said like, "Hey, do you want to be a graduate assistant? Do you want to get a GA position?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure." And then he comes back the next day. He's like, "Ah, oh, sorry, like that position was filled." Um, but apply for this one. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a job. I guess I'll do that. Uh, and so it was for Liberty Hockey's first strength conditioning coach. Uh, that was the position I applied for, went in, had no idea what I was doing during the interview, uh, fooled everybody enough. And then I started July 1, 2014. But it's wow, it's uh, been that it, long ago. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's been some time. And so it was a tremendous disadvantage in the beginning, right? There was a, a steep learning curve, but also a tremendous advantage. And what I mean by that is, um, so for your son, Eric, he's going to go through life now with all the experiences of from when he was very young, hearing what you had to say, and then all of his coaches and all of his friends and the uncles and the everything and all this kind of influence for what you should do for hockey. For me, I just came in with a completely clean slate and open mind. So I wasn't reaching out to my former uh, peewee or junior coach. I was just reaching out to any guy at top NCAA schools or the NHL level or, you know, your big names in the private industry that would, you know, take my call or answer my email. And so my learning curve, while it was very steep, it was like heavily steeped in just what is the best information out there? Who are the biggest dogs who are doing it the best? So I was able to kind of accelerate my learning curve because I didn't have all this other preconceived notions or information to sort of forget about, right? So for example, when I first joined Liberty in 2014, uh, we were still participating in the uh, miracle scene where it's just back and forth skating and that's what's going to make you a great hockey player. But I would kind of look around the world and be like, huh, they're not doing that in the NHL. Oh, they're not doing that at high level NCAA. A lot of these top junior programs I'm hearing about aren't doing that. Hey guys, maybe, uh, maybe we should look into, you know, college hockey for, uh, in 2021 or two and, you know, and now in three. And so it, it's been a really great way to kind of, um, accelerate the learning curve 
uh, for everybody involved with, with our program. Yeah. And, and so in the beginning, so when did you start, did you start working with the D one men and women right away or, and, yeah. and that's been your focus there, right? So with, within the department I work in, uh, we have 44 teams and five of those teams are hockey. So when I first started, it was with all the teams. And so I was pulled in a million different directions, but my very first year, uh, I, I like to joke about it. Um, one of the coaches didn't trust me yet. So they still had their old guy they were working with. Uh, but I did work with our, our women's team. Uh, and then several of our, our, I worked with both of our women's teams and several of our men's teams uh, right off the bat. And then now, uh, all these all these years later, uh, I have an assistant, Jared Lovelace, who's an absolute monster working with me, uh, and then two graduate assistants as well. So my primary focus now is our men's women, uh, our men's and women's division one hockey teams. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, so now we're in uh, uh, September here and mm -hmm. you guys are in I think you played your first exhibition game or uh Two weeks. Yeah. So excuse me. the men will be on September 4th, uh, 15th. Okay. We'll play uh, NC state uh, for our, for our first, uh, first official game. All right. So you guys will be, so where, where are you at in the phase of with your team? Cause, and, and, and let's, what I want to be able to go back to now is let's talk about these players that are coming in. Mm -hmm. So the freshmen are coming in the first year yep. players. Mm -hmm. Um, when did you get your eyes on? I mean, of course, you, you've probably met a lot of those guys mm -hmm. through, through camps and these type of things. Exactly. Yeah. But when did you get your eyes on them for this season to start off? Yeah, great question. So uh, just to speak a little bit more with ACHA um, first. Um, so, again, for, for your Swedish listeners, when, when you come over to the States to visit colleges, um, NCAA teams will have a lot of red tape there. There's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of things that they can't ask you. There's a lot of things that you can't do while you are there with ACHA teams and programs. We're incredibly blessed because you could join the team in a practice, whereas that would be an absolute no and violation on the NCAA side. So when you're getting recruited to ACHA teams, you're able to go and kind of like try it out. Right. Like you could take a test drive and you could see what's the culture like on the team. What are the coaches like? How do they run practices? And so I've been able to see a lot of our um, recruits for this year as they come and do their recruiting visits. And so during that recruit visit, they'll pop their head in the weight room. They'll check out our locker room. They'll meet with our academic advisors. They'll meet with our sports med staff. And then they'll go and kind of tour around the, um, the particular school or college, whether it's the College of Business or um, health sciences or whatever it is. Um, so I'm able to kind of see them, meet them there. We'll talk a bit. Uh, oftentimes they'll be able to come in and do a workout with us. And again, these are incredible advantages of the ACHA versus, you know, NCAA. You just kind of look around and go, okay, I, I think I like this. Like, this is kind of cool, but you never really get to see under the hood like we do. So get, get to meet a lot of guys there. We have a prospects camp every year. So we're able to kind of see some of those guys on the ice, see how they perform. And then over summer with our rookies coming in, I try to keep the contact as, I don't want to say as limited as possible, but 
I don't want to bombard them and kind of stress them out. My kind of saying is if you're getting recruited to come play hockey at Liberty, you're good enough to play hockey at Liberty with how you are. And whatever you have been doing has been good enough to get you here. So rather than me sending them home, uh, my program and them not knowing all my wording, not knowing my verbiage or how I like things done. Hey, continue with your guy or, or your girl or whoever. And then once you get here in August, then we'll kind of go to work for the next four to five years together. So long story short, uh, just within the last couple of weeks, the whole team's gotten together and I've gotten to you know w- work with all the new guys as part of the team in the weight room and, and things are going phenomenal so far. Another question I have. So is there also, you know, a lot of people wonder about the restrictions on um, NCAA clearinghouse and mm. the ability to get paid. Yeah. I know that's, a, that's a loaded question right now with NIL mm. and stuff like that, but in ACHA, can you take a player that may have played semi-professionally in Europe as an example? Yeah, uh, we will see. Uh, so if a Canadian or if somebody went up to uh, the WHL, OHL, or the Q, they would not be able to play in ACHA. We kind of follow those sort of guidelines. Amateur uh, sports guidelines. Yes. Um, but, man, I'm if we're just looking at the sporting landscape, if a high school hockey player in Minnesota could be taking the NIL deal and then still get a full ride scholarship to the university of Minnesota. Why can't somebody in the WHL or the OHL or the Q or if they were playing over in Europe. So I I'm imagining things are going to start to shift a little bit. Um, I don't know if this is public information yet. Uh, Maybe uh, the time this airs, but I am fairly confident that, NIL deals have been approved for the ACHA as well. Yeah. And so uh, along those lines, um, NCAA Division Three schools cannot offer athletic scholarships, to my knowledge. They could offer uh, academic, right? So they could say, oh, you kind of have a good GPA. Uh, here's some money for school and kind of sucker you into play a sport that way. Not suck, recruit you. Um, with ACHA, again, we don't have restrictions and things like that. So if a school is well-funded enough, technically they could pay their players and they could uh, offer scholarships to players. So let's just say you're at uh, Dell Computer University and they could offer full-ride scholarships to their entire slew of ACHA players. I don't know of any schools that are doing that. A lot of people assume we are at Liberty. It just got, Again, it is what it is. Um, a lot of people do assume that, but uh, believe it or not, we have a lot of full tuition paying uh, yeah. young men and women. All right. So go back to this thing. Since, you, since you've now, you've looked at your players throughout in some of them in camps and these type of things. <laughs> when do they report? So the ACHA D1 players, because yeah. uh, I know that during like the, 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 they have open tryouts and things <clears> two <throat> and D3, but, but the guys who are going to play on the, on the D1 squad, They've been recruited to come over here and, yeah. and and so on. They know they're on this team once they've committed mm-hmm. and, and and they're coming in. When did they, for this summer, when did they report? Yeah, the, another great question. And again, like I, I keep just making this uh, promote the ACHA uh, party here, but our very first 
session on ice was August 20th, was okay. Sunday, August 20th. And that was our first day of tryouts. So we have these tryouts because at Liberty, we have three tiers of men's teams, two tiers of women's teams. And so it's a good opportunity for all the coaches to see players playing in a competitive environment. And then, hey, this guy got really good over summer. We're going to move him up a level. Let's say it's D3 to two or two to one. And then we always have to leave room for the random walk on, right? The kid that we didn't know about who showed up and yeah. is an absolute animal. And so yeah. we do we do have that every now and then. Uh, and it's a little rare, but we do also have you know guys who freshman year D3, sophomore year D2, junior year uh, D1. And again, another significant advantage of ACHA, if if you know you are not going to make it to the NHL, but let's say you have a dream of one day playing professionally in Sweden or somewhere in Europe. And let's say you have a dream of playing in the um, ECHL or trying to make it to the AHL. What the ACHA offers, again, is we don't have kind of closed windows of when you can and can't be on the ice with your coaches. And so on August, uh, Wednesday, August 23rd, we had our first full team practice. And if you're with an NCAA school, you can't get on the ice with your coaches until like October. And so we get an entire month and a half of development more than an NCAA team would. And yeah. more to that, we could get on the ice with our players over summer. And so there, there aren't any restrictions or handcuffs on me. If you're a phenomenal player, but you're just physically not there, not ready, you come to me and we could spend every day throughout the entire year working on you physically, developing you physically. And again, just another advantage that people don't think of or know of. So if I'm, yeah, if I'm a parent or I'm a um, advisor, all right, hey, I want to go to co college. I want to try to get a master's degree. I want to try to play in Europe or in ECHL when I'm done. All right, hey, go look at this ACHA school because you have five years of eligibility. You could play for five years as opposed to redshirt and four at an NCAA school. So get your undergrad in four, knock out your master's in a year, finish it online if you need to, develop for those five years with your coaches on the ice, and then go live out that dream of ECHL, AHL, or playing over in Europe. It's it's just a phenomenal way to kind of do it versus, uh, you know, I don't want to say rolling the dice, but going to a, a NCAA school. Well, and I think that, so we've talked a lot about several guests on on here that, that are looking at going to play college and they're coming over here to play. And, and the big selection in, in Sweden, as an example, is you play J20. Yeah. And, and you have, you can play, um, you can finish juniors over there at J20. And then you have another year of juniors over here. Yes. Then you can go to college. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the big selection time is going to be, okay, when they finish high school or what's called gymnasium, which is mm -hmm. kind of high school plus one more year yeah. in, in comparison. So 13th grade, uh, the, they still have one more year of, of J20 to play. But a lot of people says, OK, I'll go over to the U.S. and play juniors. And I got two more years at that yeah. time. Um, and, and, and a lot of them will go and play NCDC or NAL or, or even mm -hmm. USHL. And the the. 
the flip side is okay playing uh third division or fourth division so hockeyettan uh, which is third division in sweden mm-hmm. which is really good level very mm-hmm. very high level um and and it's but it's very difficult to even get in as a as a 20 year old uh, oh. in in that level or a mm-hmm. 20 year old right so the option of growing and getting better what you just talked about um is 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 out there the other one is it's extremely difficult to get an education and play at Hockeyettan or Allsvenskan even division yeah. two is tough to mm-hmm. do go to university and be in a student athlete which That's is yeah. rare over there so but it is but but I do want to say it is difficult from a financial standpoint you know to be able to compare and and you have to be prepared um to to uh to finance it somehow and and mm-hmm. having good grades and it, it is you can't just wake up and say ah oh, just decided now i want to go to college yeah you know you yeah. want to be prepared for that and then um, and that's again what is nice for us at liberty is we we do have that conversation with a lot of our europeans and so they kind of just say how much does it cost yeah and then they know okay from May 1st until August 20th, that's my window to work back at home or in a, a, a country in the EU or whatever it is that they choose to do. And then, all right, now I have all that money to come back to the States to pay for school with and then living arrangements and everything yep. like that. So um, on the NCAA side, if you don't have that scholarship, um, they might ask you to report back in July. It's like, okay, there goes my window for, for working back home or again in the, in the EU somewhere. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is the type of player that comes to you uh, at the D1 squad. I think it's a, it's a little bit of a let's talk myth and fa- myth and 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 facts here. Yeah. And maybe it used to be that, you know, you can go straight out of U18 AAA and and make the D8, D1 squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't. Do you have anybody that is 19 that's coming that didn't play juniors on the D1 squad this year? There's no one that I could think of. Uh, yeah. And if they did, they're, uh, they're really talented. Um, yeah. t- typically, when we have our prospects camps, it is somebody who is on their last year of AAA looking to go junior or within that kind of range. And oftentimes we say like, hey, it'd be great to have you. You're not ready. You, you yeah. got to go for another year or you got to go play junior and then come and you'll play. But again, and- what's nice... With they Liberty's, may end up on the have, D, they may de- end up exactly. on the D2 squad. Yeah. Yes, we we do have our division 2 team and that's a, a, a our um coach Hughes, coach Garland, coach Neer, they do a phenomenal job of development there and they're also a top contending team. Uh they made it to nationals last year, had a phenomenal year and so they also in their own right have a, a great team but um if you're not ready, uh we could send you there for a year and th- that oftentimes is the case uh where someone's um, comes they don't have their junior years underneath them and they'll make the d2 or, or d3 team and and the other myth is uh oh it's only kids from usphl or or mm-hmm. or na3 that comes there if yeah. you look on if you go on elite prospects pull up their right now on, on elite prospects not everybody's listed under the mm-hmm. 23rd 23 okay. yeah. roster but um but i think that if you 
if you look at the roster of, of, and do a reverse engineering of where did they come from, you would see a lot of null players that Absolutely. are that are there. Yeah. Now, certainly, if you're a top null player, you're going to end up going to D1 uh, mm-hmm. NCAA, and that's where you that's where you should go. Yeah. But I think that there is a lot of them that are that are that could have played D3 NCAA chose mm-hmm. D1 ACHA for all those reasons that you just mentioned. Yeah. And with just is what it is. Hockey is a very demanding sport. Physically, mentally, you're getting traded, you're getting cut, you're moving all around the country, you're leaving home when you're 13 through 17 type of thing. Like it's it's an unbelievable sporting experience. So oftentimes guys will age out of junior and just be like, hey, look, you know, I I don't want to go and make that NCAA D1 grind. Yeah. And so they'll uh, they'll hang it up or they'll go, okay, I can hang it up or let me give hockey another try. Then they join an ACHA team and they're kind of reinvigorated. And we see that all the time. Uh, freshmen, guys who transfer in, they're just kind of a little burnt out from hockey for whatever reason. And then they get on the right team and they just fall in love with it again. And they have that passion again. Um, and then oftentimes too, you'll see guys who, um, just don't want to travel like crazy anymore. And so they, they opt for, you know, a different league within the ACHA where teams are a little bit closer or, um, they, you know, they had a particular degree that they know they want to be doing later on. And the small private NCAA D3 school doesn't offer that. And then they find out this big school has an ACHA program and they, they opt to go there. So what do you kind of see when they're coming in here um, from so the guys are coming in they're they're normally not the young guys they they yeah. are they have played juniors they 21, are 22 more, yeah, yeah yeah they're more physically de- uh, developed mm-hmm. but what are the things that and and this is kind of where we want to talk about the the stuff that we talked about with Derek Simpson with Perfect. with functional mobility screen and and mm-hmm. and it'd be cool to kind of hear it from your side from a strength and development standpoint, uh, because your your job is, I'm I'm assuming to try to optimize them physically, absolutely, yes, um, and then also keep them from getting injured. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you see, and how do you evaluate the person that is coming in? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, very very first baseline, all of our athletes have to pass a physical before they're allowed to be on our teams. Right. We, we have a, a insurance policy. When you play with us, if you get injured, our insurance policies cover all of that, just like any other um, you know, good school or program should have. So you have to pass a physical to kind of get through that barrier first. A lot of people are kind of screened out there for previous shoulder uh, or hip issues. Uh, again, like it's hockey. If you and, and the, let me let me interrupt. You. Is yes. that is yeah. that that physical is a medical physical screen? Correct. Yeah, that is our our Liberty doctors. Um, if they don't come in from with a previous doctor giving that medical screening, they'll go to our our Liberty uh, staff doctors, okay. uh, and they'll have to pass a physical there. And so, that's a, a great place to start. And so we kind of get the rap sheet of all right, five grade two AC sprains. Right. Okay. We know this guy's got shoulder issues. And so once they kind of go through that first kind of screen or mesh, so to speak, then our sports medicine staff kind of picks them up from there. 
and then they'll come to me next. And so we can run an FMS screen, uh, but oftentimes they've already been uh, kind of processed out for pain. Hey, my arm hurts when I do this. My leg hurts when I do that. And then once they get to me, I'm going to be sort of determining on my own their function. All right. How well do they move? Can they uh, bend over at the waist really well? That's a hip hinge. Can they move their uh, shoulders well enough for the sport? So when we are talking about uh, the FMS screen, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal tool. And uh, I'm well versed enough in it that if I see something I don't like, hey, do this, do that. Okay, I got it now. Let's kind of come back into it. But also with a lot of things, uh, if you've worked with hockey enough, they, they can't raise their arms fully overhead, right? Their shoulders are mangled, but they can hold a hockey stick just fine. So me attempting to uh, get them into positions that they won't get in onto the ice isn't really worth my time. However, I definitely need to make sure that they have the proper movement, the proper mobility, the proper stability to be able to play the sport. Um, so there's certain what, things that, yeah, oh, what, sorry, go what, ahead. What, what are the things that you typically see with hockey athletes that you now, you've been working with ha- hockey yeah. athletes for, for nine years. So what yes. are, what are problems that you see either from a injury prone perspective or mobility issues that people come in with deficits in? It's, it's shoulders or hips, uh, shoulders, hips, groin, back right? Like those are the, the common ones for sure. Uh, if you lined up everybody through a dart, you're, you're going to hit somebody with a shoulder issue. You're going to hit someone with a groin issue. You're going to hit someone with a hip issue. It's just incredibly, incredibly common. The uh, action of skating is, you know, newsflash to the listeners out there, not good for your hips, right? <laughs> it is, is just not good, right? It's like uh, pitchers in baseball having shoulder and elbow issues. And then there's no other sport where you could get up to 20 miles per hour and run into a wall or, you know, fall on ice, which is like concrete. And the sport is so random and sporadic. You just, you never know how you're going to get hit. So shoulder issues, AC joint issues, uh, shoulder dislocation history, incredibly common. And then hip issues. And what I mean by that is the top of your leg bone uh, is the kind of top of your hip bone, so to speak. And that goes in your hip socket. And there should be a nice, I'm just going to call it a a jelly-like substance between the bones of your hip bone and your hip socket. No, sorry, I'll hold my hand up there. But oftentimes the hip bone will get smashed into the hip socket over and over and over. And then in response to that kind of bone on bone rubbing, your hip socket will develop, you know, a little cartilage or a little bone to kind of protect that area. Now we have all this rubbing and tearing and incredibly common in hockey. I think the stat is like if you play junior hockey or if you make it to college hockey, 75% have some sort of hip impingement or in other words, uh, hip bone smashing into uh, the leg bone and then bad things happening. So those are incredibly common. Yeah. What is that? What is that then? prevent or is that pain or is that lack of mobility um yeah so that will be uh tearing of the hip labrum so your shoulder joint and your hip joint have uh these again i'm just going to call them like jelly like capsules 
uh, along the sockets called your labrum. So I, I tore my shoulder labrum, I tore my hip labrum, and that's when the uh, kind of shoulder bone and the hip bone are kind of jamming into the socket and there's going to be some tearing there. So if you don't have uh, great mobility in the hips and you're forcing yourself into positions, if you don't have uh, good mechanics and you are uh, forcing yourself into bad positions while you're skating, you're going to slowly be degrading uh, the integrity of your hip joint or you know your shoulder joint over time. So these impingements could be um, bony growths. They could be um, tearing of the tendons, ligaments, uh, and labrum of the hip, or your hip bone could literally just be getting stuck up against a bony growth in your hip socket. And, like you just can't push your leg out that far anymore, or you can't squat below a certain depth anymore. And then that's when doctors need to go in and tear it up, rip it up and give you a new hip or new shoulder or something like that. And what we're talking about here is more physio stuff, right? Not necessarily yes. strength and conditioning stuff. So how does that yeah. now go into your area? Because you can't build the body if there's deficits in these areas or, or how you're never going to have a perfect perfect body yeah. to work with right yeah yeah it, w by the time they get to me uh they're pre they're pretty beat up there's a few players i've coached um who have made it through right uh, with with limited injury um or you know through hockey or through you know their junior hockey system but they're more lucky and rare than than anything else uh, to be so, honest with you so so it, is it is yeah. it crucial for you to kind of know this up front so you know how to now because the next question i want to go is individual training versus group mm -hmm. training thinking right yeah so years ago it was very crucial for me to know this um when i did different exercises now though i have adapted everything that i do in the weight room to kind of work around all these issues. So for example, years ago, I used to do uh, power cleans and I, I love power cleans. Like I competed in that sport, Olympic weightlifting, I wore the singlet, the shoes, got on stage, the whole thing. But there was one workout where I was looking around, we had a 25 man roster and only six were healthy enough to do <laughs> power cleans. And I was like, huh, maybe I should do something else. Same thing with bench press. I, again, I love bench press. What man doesn't on Monday, get in there, get under a bar. However, again, I look around and okay, over half my team can't perform a barbell bench press and we have a ton of shoulder in injuries. Maybe we should modify or take out barbell bench press. Same thing. We got a bunch of back issues, a bunch of hip issues. Maybe I shouldn't be putting a barbell on my back and trying to uh, back squat. So all those issues that I've kind of found within the hockey world, when I'm training a college hockey player, I modify or I've just reworked exercises so that they still can perform uh, and they still can improve strength, power, speed uh, within the weight room. So I've, I've really adapted to just the bodies that I'm kind of getting fed there at Liberty. So are, are, are there things that you that you have also learned that are like, I used to think that this was good, but it's this is better or or i mean what are some of those examples yeah great great question so i came from a crossfit background 
Okay. And so I could teach anybody in the world how to do a barbell snatch. So when I walked into the, my Liberty weight rooms, I was confident of you know, everybody's going to do this, this, and this. I know how to coach it. And then uh, with power cleans, for example, our head of sports medicine was like, Hey, are you doing anything for the girl's core? Because every girl's coming in with back problems. It's like, huh, okay, maybe it's that. And then same thing with uh, a back squat. So many people are married to exercises, meaning, oh, if I'm not benching and squatting, I'm not getting better. Well, no, if, if you're not watching film and shooting pucks and stick handling, you're not getting better. The, the off-ice stuff is just to supplement what, your talents and skills are on the ice. So if your goal is to get stronger, back squatting is an exercise. It's not the exercise. The goal with a back squat is to um, strengthen your hips and uh, your back, you could say. Well, I can do the same thing, but rather than having both feet together and in line, if I just go into a split stance, and then just, you know, touch my back knee to the ground in a split squat. It feels a lot better. It's a lot easier. And so, yeah, I've really adapted to even using a bar where I don't have my arms out by my shoulders, but a bar that comes over me, it's called a safety squat bar or a, a yoke or something like that. And then I hold the bar in front of me and that's become incredibly popular uh, along the athletic world, hockey, football, basketball, baseball, everything. So yeah, yeah I, I don't do any cleans because I could put dumbbells in my hands and jump and get the same effect. I could sprint and get the same effect. Uh, I could do an RDL, get the same effect. I don't do any front squat, back squat, box squat, overhead squat, or anything like that because I could split my feet. I could do reverse lunges. Um, I'm not married to anything. I'm married to principles. I'm married to pillars. I'm married to concepts within the weight room such as try to make them faster. And so if I'm choosing an exercise that hurts, probably not going to make you faster. So let me find something else. So what's your opinion then on, you know, you hear this all the time, especially these young guys are coming in and they're like, you know, and and you have, I'm sure it's a little bit of old tradition and these type of things that you need to be able to do X, this, this, this. I mean, I hear it all the time. You need to be able to do X versus your body weight in this. You need to be able to do this. You need to be able to do that, do that because, Mm -hmm. and and they're, they are using those things as evaluations to see if you're going to be a good hockey player. Yes. So what I would say to that is pull yourself out of that conversation by just being a great hockey player. Okay. (laughs) So I I don't think uh, anybody cared what Connor Bedard could do off ice, right? His on ice production. If you watch world junior, uh, we were, we were over uh, in Finland when world junior was going on. And it's just like, it didn't matter if he could do a pull up. It didn't matter if he could do a push up. Didn't matter if he never, if he didn't even know what a barbell was, that kid was getting drafted. Right. So oftentimes those kind of evaluation tools I, I I really think it's just, and this is my opinion, I might be uh, hurting some feelings here, but I think that's just coaches who are uh, being a little softer to the players and not telling them the truth, or um, the player just isn't that good, or the coach isn't that good of a talent evaluator. Yeah. Right. Um, 
it's but, good. But, it just, yeah. but but I think the other part here about let's no make let's not make any bones about it. Being strong and being fast mm-hmm. is hugely important. It so absolutely I is. I, I don't want people who are listening and thinking, oh, I don't need to spend my time in the gym. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, and and that's where if I am uh, a parent of, let's just say, a 13-year-old, I I would make sure that they're getting skating and skill lessons on ice before the weight room because the parent could just purchase a sled and a couple weights and have their son or daughter walk up and down the driveway, the road, the sidewalk, pulling a sled and get stronger. Getting stronger is easy. It's really not that hard. And most of the time, it's just diet. Right. A lot of coaches will say, Hey, you need to get bigger. No, it's just, you need to just eat more. (laughs) That's, that's kind of it. But, um, I, I really have found that I can make all stars in the weight room, but if they don't have that ability to play on the ice, they don't have that IQ. It doesn't matter what I'm doing and kind of case in point, one of the best players I've ever coached at Liberty, they never weighed over 170 pounds throughout their entire career. And when we look at today's NHL, okay, Kale McCarr, oh, what a stud. He's not even six foot. He's 5'11". Like it, you find this on the internet, which means he's probably 5'10", maybe 5'9", right? It says he's 185 on the internet, which means he's probably 175, right? Look at the Hughes brothers, right? They're, they're blowing it up uh, there with the Devils, and they're just tiny, right? What was the, the talk about Connor Bedard? All right. Well, yeah, he's also super young, but still like it's not this monstrous body. So be really good at your sport and then find exercises that aren't going to beat you up, uh, help you get a little stronger, help you get faster. So that's today's game is all about speed. The systems and the rule sets are all set up for speed. And, and those are the things that are going to push the needle for your development overall. Yeah. What, so where do you see the, the sport going? I mean, are you are you... Because uh, I know you you spend a lot of time talking about diet and rest, you know, yep. so fuel fuel versus load versus recovery, mm-hmm. and and how do how do you deal with that, and how does the rest of the cast support you there at Liberty to kind of have that well rounded view? Great question. So i I've really found that yep, you know, blanketed. Hey, everybody, here's this kind of. Uh, statements and kind of quick talks and sessions help a lot. It helps to educate the athletes. But I also kind of have the viewpoint of if you're in college, you have the world at your fingertips right there on your cell phone. You should have an idea of like, huh, only sleeping three hours a night isn't good for, right? Like you should know how to sleep. You should know how to eat. You should know what to be drinking, right? It's just water. And so they kind of know a lot of that, but I still give those talks. And then where I make the most kind of headway is traveling with teams. And so I don't go to every single road trip, but when I do, I'm just constantly pushing water down their throat, constantly saying of like, Hey, now's a great time for a nap. Hey, don't eat that, eat this. And then just kind of fielding questions that way. But where I make the most bang for my buck with any team is you try to attack the leaders, make sure that the leaders on the team are setting good examples. And then when a particular athlete comes to me asking questions like, hey, I haven't been feeling good, you just start going down the line. All right, uh, how much water have you drank today? All right, hey, that's not enough. 
I want you to drink two more Powerade bottles full of water. I have, how well did you sleep last night? Okay, that's not enough. <laughs> Where can we uh, better time manage so you could go to bed before midnight and wake up roughly when the sun's getting up? So little little things like that. Um, but a lot of it, like it's on these athletes. They, they're, you know, the, the men are 20, 21 years old. They should know that more sleep is better than less sleep. Right? Yeah, they yeah. should know that drinking water is going to be better than drinking soda. What about supplements? Are you a fan? Yeah. What are what what are you what are you pushing? Or are, do you guys, as a program, offer supplements to your athletes? Yeah, great question. So, I have. I, if anyone's listening, we'll we'll take you. I have reached out to a few supplement companies of like. So, so for me personally, I supervise you know, on paper here seven hundred and eleven college athletes. Right, I only work with uh, let's say fifty, but through me, through our department, it's 711 athletes. So I would love for a supplement company to say, Hey, here's a 10% discount code and, you know, push our stuff. I'll gladly do that. But, uh, in terms of, so, so no, at Liberty, we don't have, uh, like bio steel sitting around in the locker rooms or anything like that. Um, but I personally push, uh, creatine and vitamin D. So especially for your Swedish listeners there, uh, during those dark days of winter, uh, to keep it as simple as possible, there are different chemical processes in your body that are vital and vitamin D plays a large role in a lot of them. So you get vitamin D through the sun. You're bundled up a lot there in Sweden. Uh, there's not a lot of sunlight to go around in the winter supplement with vitamin D. So I push that big time on our athletes. What's what's a typical, so what's the, is it just, are there, are there a big difference between getting vitamin D pill A Mm -hmm. versus, is there, is there a different, watch out for what you, what should you look for? So firstly, if I'm an athlete, I would try to look for uh, labeling to show that it's been certified by third parties. Because you just, you never know with, uh, again, who a listener is. And I would hate for them to go, oh, I need vitamin D, pick it up at the local wherever, and then um, have it have some sort of illegal substance in there and along with that. So here in the States, I think it's like USP uh, is something like that, where um, it's a third party that certifies supplements just to make sure they're not tainted with anything illegal for where you're competing. But um I would definitely take a vitamin D supplement and just Google it for your local area. You're going to find the best one. The The particular brand that I like to promote is Thorne, T-H-O-R-N-E. Um, they're third-party certified. Um, all their pills, powders, and potions are not filled with dyes. They're not filled with artificial sweeteners, um, which I'm, I'm big on. So I get Thorne, uh, 5,000 IUs, vitamin D. I recommend that. And then creatine. I'm, I'm looking at uh, on Amazon right now. So okay, yeah, yeah perfect, perfect. Yeah, and then uh, I also recommend uh, creatine monohydrate. So our body has three different ways of producing energy. Okay, and you need energy to live. So right now, you and I are in the aerobic stage where you can just calmly breathe through your nose. So if you're to go outside for a walk or a light jog you're going to be in that aerobic energy system. 
And then if we were to go into the gym or on the ice and do something incredibly explosive for less than six seconds, that is going to be using what's known as your creatine phosphate energy system. And so the more kind of creatine you have floating around in your body, the more um, adapted or the, the more sets of explosive energy bursts for less than six seconds, technically or theoretically, you could perform. Um, you don't need much of it, five to 10 grams a day. If you're a very lightweight person, five, if you're you know over 200 pounds, probably closer to 10, um, take it in a powdered form because it's a little cheaper. And again, the, the brand that I recommend to my athletes, I have zero affiliation with, but I do like Thorn, T-H-O-R-N-E. Uh, hopefully a Thorn rep is listening to this. And That's wants right. To give That's us right. A, brought, brought to you a, by yeah, Thorn. Exactly. 20, 25% discount code. Uh, yeah, we promo code, code. Code Flames. Yeah, that'd be a great to offer to our athletes. Again, 711 of them. And I get the, the, the final say on that. But th- those are the main ones that I recommend um, now. What? What about, I, what about pre-workout and what about uh, uh, pro, whey protein? Yeah, that's another good one. So most of our athletes uh, at the college level have meal plans. So I recommend as soon as practice is over, as soon as your weight training is over, go to the dining hall and go eat. Um, that's going to be the, the best source of anything out there is just get it through your food. So if they don't have that option, um, protein powders are, are great right there. They're a necessary supplement, meaning, Hey, I just don't have the amount of time in the day to sit and eat. Hey, I can't afford right to, to sit and eat all the time. Um, so, uh, a protein powder supplement is fantastic. Um, try, try them out, right. Uh, there's different flavors. There's different, um, you know, whey protein isolate and whatever else, just find something that you like, research it, read the ingredients, look at that. Um, your more high calorie protein shakes are going to have uh, maltodextrin in them, which is just ground up corn. For me personally, I don't want a bunch of corn in there. Uh, I did when I was younger and trying to bulk up. Now I'm in my thirties. I don't need that. So uh, those are great. And then as far as pre-workout goes, this is a, a hot debate that I have with my athletes. Go to sleep. Right. Uh, if if you're under 25, you don't need stimulants. However, uh, the advertisement world, the food and beverage industry has done a phenomenal job of making you think you need stimulants. Growing up, seeing mom and dad drinking coffee every day makes you think that you need stimulants. You don't save them for game day. Right. So if uh, if uh, a little bit of caffeine is a performance enhancer, which it is, right? Like there's certain levels of caffeine allowed in your blood at the Olympics. Um, so if so much caffeine is a performance enhancer, make sure your body is as caffeine sensitive as possible for when you need it most. So if you're taking, um, uh, there's a, a pre-workout called C4 here in the States. So if you're taking a scoop of that every day, all right, now it's game day. Now I have to take two scoops. All right, hey, I want to feel real good today. I'm going to take three scoops. And it just kind of snowballs and it loses its potency. So save uh, your caffeine dosing for when it matters most, which is the game, right? You it, it's go, amazing. go out and have good practices and workouts. I think it's amazing, you know, how many people that are chugging Red Bulls and... and oh, it's insane. Uh, 
and and I, I tell you, in Sweden, very 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 common for, you know, the 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 most common one there is called nokko, and okay. and high caffeine drinks, and people are like chugging it like nothing, and, yeah. and a lot of the athletes are sponsored by them, and so it becomes kind of a exactly. Um, what about this one? Um, very common in Europe, uh, snus. Say, say it again. Snus. So which like, is which is nic- nicotine tobacco? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I, I don't so, know if you've seen that with athletes are coming in that are that are. Uh, how does nicotine affect performance? Yeah. So I'll I'll say this: it's I'm going to deal a little bit less with that at Liberty, um, but I I know like chewing tobacco is extremely common in the sports world. Right. Um, It just is uh, here at Liberty. We have a no alcohol, no tobacco policy. Uh, We are also a um, Christian school. So we're trying to recruit kids that kind of also agree with that. Um, So I'm not super well versed in nicotine because I just don't have to deal a lot with it. However, uh, I do know that nicotine is a I think the word's called a nootropic, a nootropic or whatever, but like it is beneficial for your brain, right? It does increase performance. It does increase awareness. And so uh, it is a performance enhancing drug. I just personally don't have much experience with it or anything like that. So uh, but the I'm same sure. thing there is, is, is the, 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 just like with uh, caffeine, if you're addicted to it and you are using yeah. it as a maintainer, you're not going to be able to get the benefit at the time it, of performance. Ex- Exactly. Yeah. It just, it's one of those, if you, if you are supplementing with it, let me know how it works. Cause I, I genuinely have never used it. I have no experience with it uh, at all whatsoever. So I I'd be curious, but I do know of people um, it, it's the same thing with like the stimulant drugs of, you know, your Adderall's and your Ritalin's and stuff like that. Nicotine has effects like that as well. Yeah. But if I mean, if you're a normal college student uh, or a college athlete and you're supplementing these kind of substances past 12 p.m., you're not going to bed, right? There's no chance. And so I would rather you get quality sleep every day and that will lead to more success on the ice through quality practices, which lead to quality games than uh, riding this up and down sleep wave of I'm tired. I take a stimulant. I can't sleep that night. Now I'm tired the next day. I need another stimulant. And then I can't sleep that night. It's just, it's a, it's a wild ride. Like so, anytime. So, so the, 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 the advice is invest in a really good pillow instead of spend a bunch of money on stimulants. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> good, good roommates, blackout curtains and uh, a good mattress. So when, again, where I'm able to educate people when, uh, when I go on road trips, I will, I call it tuck the boys in. So we'll get on a zoom call just like this. So everybody will be in their hotel rooms. Uh, we'll try to shift them into a rest, relax, recover state through breath work, some visualization. And the first thing I say is get your room as dark as possible. So hotel, uh, clock, turn it, uh, turn it over hotel, uh, microwave with the lights on it, unplug it, right? Uh, every hotel has the curtain that, you know, doesn't always fit together. Um, grab the coat hanger from the closet that has the clips, clip your, uh, 
blinds together so that the parking lot light doesn't come in. Um, eliminate all light if possible. Get your room as cold as possible. Cold, dark, damp are phenomenal sleep environments. So educating them on sleep hygiene. Uh, bring a white noise machine or play on your phone, right? Because hotels have a lot of uh, a lot of white noise with just people up and down the hallways, doors, and you know, parking lot noise, street traffic, things like that. So uh, those are just some of the the ways that will kind of educate them. But yeah, to your point, if you could just have cold, dark, damp, go to bed before midnight, uh, you're you're going to be successful throughout your college career. Do, do you guys uh, recommend like Whoop or any any of those kind of Fitbits or? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So we have uh, for several years monitored heart rate with uh, a company called First Beat. Phenomenal uh, product. You can talk to Ben Jensen uh, at First Beat. He's the man. We found, though, that it wasn't impacting game day decisions enough. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of leave it there. So we sort of discontinued our heart rate monitoring. Um, it's a phenomenal tool. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we've also monitored sleep with uh, ready bands through a company called Fatigue Science. Again, it was phenomenal. Um, but what we kind of do now is uh, just take things by case by case basis. It's uh, less data. It's more impactful and uh, kind of gives us a little bit more to work with sort of one on one with athletes versus kind of something blanketed. So yeah. just just the other day um, I had. A member of our women's team, uh, yeah, I'm just not feeling it today. Have you drank water? Not really. Okay, drink water. Add a little salt to it. Uh, and then a member of our men's team who just, you know, felt a little out of it. And so we just talked about diet, right? Like, okay, here, here's some things that we could start to eat, have a little bit more energy. So for hockey, the, the main energy system we use is carbohydrate-based. So eat your carbs, right? Like your classic pasta party. Yeah, do it. it. It's going to help. Your it'll allow your muscles to have more energy throughout the day, throughout practices, things like that. Well, I can I can tell you uh, since we've known each other for a long time, and and uh, the key to all of those things uh, is what you guys do probably better than most, and that is the relationship part. Well, and, thank you. Yeah, and and I think that that is an over commonly overlooked piece of the performance puzzle and and the ability to coach and 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 um and and challenge and support and advise your athletes uh starts with having a close relationship and trust and, mm. and camaraderie and 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 you know i've witnessed it being up there and and you guys have a special special place up there too this kind of conversation kind of went uh this was interesting we, we went into yeah, yeah. really <laughs> yeah. really deep into some the world that you live in, right? It's not just, yeah. and, and I think that's, um, hopefully people find it uh, intriguing a little bit about it. It's not about how much you put on the barbell, perhaps that what, what most people that are are thinking about when it comes to strength and conditioning, but it's about how do you improve someone's performance um, mm -hmm. on and off the ice. Um, and, and there's there's not a, there's no magic pills, right? No, there, there really isn't it, but everything is simple. You yeah. know, it just, can you do those simple things extremely well? Uh, I, on a podcast, I heard it of, you have to embrace the monotony of being a professional, right? If you, if you're in the NHL and you're playing 
let's just say you're fortunate enough to play 60 games. That's 60 warmups, right? That's 60 cool downs. That's 60 pregame meals. That's 60 times you're going to tape your stick. And it's just, it's repetitive. It's over and over. And so you really need to embrace that. Same thing. If you're, you know, a, a bantam player, you need to embrace the idea of like every day I'm going to stick handle. All right. As you're getting older, all right, every day I'm going to stretch my hips. As you're getting older, all right, every single day I'm going to work on my body in some fashion, whether it's restoration uh, or whether it's, you know, strength training or speed training or something like that. It's, uh, you know, again, if you're a college athlete, if you just sleep for eight hours a night and your entire team does, you're, you're almost guaranteed to win, right? Yeah. You know you're going to be going up against opposition that – are tired that are stressed from exams and everything like that. So uh, doing those little things, right. Carry a water bottle with you, salt your food, go to bed, get off your phone, get out of your computer, get off the TV, little tiny things lead to big, big performance boosts. Well, it's kind of like that Jim Rohn uh, quote about easy to do and easy not to do. Right. Yeah. That. Very good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that's what comes to my mind. All right, last thing. We've got two things. We're going, we're going to ask you for, we have a partnership with Target Aid, which most people over here doesn't know anything about. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So the, the the question is the team the team in your heart, mm-hmm. right? Klubben i mitt is what the Swedish translation is. But what okay. what what's the team in your heart? Okay, so give me a little context around that. Is that a sporting team? Is it yeah. like a family yeah, so that, team? Yeah, that, or- that, so what we're doing with Target Aid, uh, who's a so, so one of the things that we we started doing in the second year was how do we uh, how do we take it to another level and and we had uh, the CEO of Target Aid kind of uh, on during one of the episodes and we've we've been able to take uh, so we have a presence on on their website where we are highlighting each um, guests kind of favorite organization uh, mm. just recorded a podcast where we had one of the guests who says well the jersey that is hanging on my wall is this yeah and that's it may not be the team that i'm playing for now but this is mm. when i say the, the the club or the team that beats closest to my heart is mm-hmm. this and then what we'll do is we'll oh, highlight that and, yeah. and then we have the ability to kind of uh share social um social stories together uh highlighting yeah. So team that's on my heart. Holy. So it's, it's going to be weird of, uh, I'm not a huge sports guy. And so I'll, I'll really have to think about that. So I'll, yeah, I'll ramble a little bit here while I'm thinking, I grew up outside of New York city. So the, the biggest Yankees and New York jets football, uh, American football fan that you can imagine. And uh, once I came down to here to Virginia, nobody cared about that. <laughs> and so I just like I just lost interest. And then uh, there's a, a, a mobster movie again, growing up outside of New York City uh, called The Bronx Tale, where uh, this mafia member, um, organized crime member says to a kid, Mickey Mantle doesn't care about you. So why do you care so much about him? Right. It's a, a, a movie when Mickey Mantle was still around. And so I was just like, all right, yeah, that, that kind of makes makes sense to me a little bit of like, man, all these sports teams. So I I just have to say the the team that's nearest to my heart are um, my my Liberty men's and women's hockey players. That's awesome. awesome. It's um I I literally only I, I watch 
mixed martial arts, the UFC, and men's and women's hockey, and that that's really it. And UFC isn't really teams. I mean, I could come up with you know different camps and tra- training camps and fighters and stuff. But um, Liberty is such a special place where we are using sport to draw athletes in that otherwise would never have come to Liberty for school. And then we have four years to tell them about Jesus, right? And that was ultimately the heart of the founder of our school. He wanted to train champions for Christ. And so when I get to look at my world and my job, I literally train in the weight room uh, champions for Christ. And so it's, uh, it's my ministry. It's my passion. Uh, it's what, you know, I feel God has put me on the earth in this moment to do. So team to my uh, closest to my heart, my Liberty men's and women talk team. That's it's awesome. Just, That's yeah, what it's that all about. Nothing else cares. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last thing. Uh, you met yourself at 17. Now yeah. you, you are a few years older. Mm-hmm. You got a little bit more experience yeah. The things you didn't know back then that you know now that you wish that you now want to tell yourself at 17. Yeah. You know, that that you know, you you're a little bit wiser now. So we're talking mm-hmm. about wisdom here, but what 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 would you tell yourself at 17? Yeah. So this will be kind of funny because it's almost gonna contradict everything that I've said during this. But uh when I was 17, I was a junior in high school and I really wanted to play lacrosse in college. I love that sport. Uh, I was only good at it because the good athletes in my town hadn't started playing it yet, right? Like it was still kind of new-ish. Uh, so as good as I thought I was, I kind of realized like, oh, I'm pretty mediocre. Um, but I thought showing up to practice, going through, not, not going through the motions, but just like having fun and working hard was enough. And that could be applied to anything in life, right? Sports is such a great metaphor, but uh, here's what I wanted to do. And I had no idea or no concept what it took to do, right? So I didn't realize like, no, I need to be watching film and I need to know this game like the back of my hand. I didn't realize that, no, I need to be shooting a hundred balls a day. I didn't realize I need to be stick handling or throwing a ball up against the wall every single day. I just thought, again, this would be enough. And then I didn't realize like, you're not that strong. You're not that fast. There's a whole world of people out there that specialize in trying to get high school boys stronger and faster. But I just, I didn't want to put that work in. And I can remember now to my mom saying like, why don't you go try this? But no, I'm like, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to. I got I'll, uh, I'll do my homework or, or whatever else. So uh, I just had no concept of hard work and I had no concept of what else it took to kind of get to the next level. Uh, as I work with the athletes I do now and I hear their stories or I see their, their work ethics or the things that they're doing outside of you know, the, the ice arena or our facility, it's it's inspiring and then uh it makes me want to work harder for them right i'm working with their hopes dreams goals and wishes they're putting in my hands uh and so yeah i I really take that seriously but man when i was 17 i thought (laughs) i was i I thought i was doing enough and then uh when i didn't get any full ride d1 scholarship offers i was shocked but looking back it's like (laughs) yeah no it uh it makes a lot of sense i (laughs) 
I just, I, I showed up, but didn't do anything extra. And, and no. that's what it takes. And that's what it takes in life to be successful in, in anything. Uh, you can't just show up and go through the motions. Uh, it's great advice. And, you know, it's one of those things that we, uh, we, we, it's, it's just the way it is. We don't have it all figured out and we learn yeah. after the mm-hmm. fact and hopefully we can, we can help and teach and, 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 uh, share these things so people can learn and, mm-hmm. and whether you use it, whether you listen, uh, that's up to you that listens, but, yeah. but I think that there, that's part of this podcast that I want to be able to share is there's a lot of people out there that have been on this journey and, uh, that, that, that's re- I ask every guest that question because I think mm-hmm. it's such an important part is the ability to 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 um, uh, take those. I mean, it's about mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. Mentors don't have to be one person. It could be many, many people yeah. in many different ways. But the part is about kind of continuous improvement. How do I get better? And for me uh, and um figuring out on your own is uh there's there's uh there's value in that but there's um you know smart people learn from their mistakes and real smart people oh, learn yeah. from people's mistakes um well, i don't know who said it, but I, I use that phrase all the time no it's it's great and then i'm incredibly grateful to be able to come on uh here and just you know share a little bit about my story and hopefully people can kind of learn from my mistakes of what not to do with hockey players out of the game of like power cleans and and back squatting it, it might be okay when they're young but after they get some mileage on them it's, it's just tough but um yeah i have tons and tons of mentors through whether it's podcasts or books that i've never met but i i've learned a ton of life lessons from them i, I would say i have a couple of podcast phds uh with how much time i've i've spent listening to them but it's yeah. such a great medium for uh getting information out there long form asking great questions. So I, again, I really appreciate the, the opportunity to come on. And uh, like you said, I, I didn't think our conversation would be going in this direction, but there's somebody out there that definitely needs to hear it. And it's, yeah. it's going to come to them for sure. For sure. Well, look up Liberty University Hockey uh, uh, and, and club sports there. And if you have a chance to to swing through at uh, La Haye Ice Center there in, in Lynchburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, you'll find uh, a very welcoming for number one, you, you'll see amazing facilities. Uh, all you, you'd be blown away. Uh, and, and, but more than that, you'd be blown away by the hospitality and some great people there. I can, I can honestly say that, uh, felt it myself. So thanks for jumping on and, and took a lot of time here, but, but it's worth it. Hopefully people get a good, good dose of it. No, definitely. I, I, again, super grateful for the opportunity. And, uh, if anybody, has any questions we'll we'll love to answer them and hopefully too it kind of just sheds a little bit more light on the college hockey landscape here in the states for your swedish listeners all right thanks chris oh thank you